I'll be reading from Matthew 4, 18 through 22, reading in Jesus' name. Now, as Jesus was walking by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, casting a net into the sea, and they were fishermen. And he said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. Going on from there, he saw two other brothers, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, in the boat with Zebedee, their father, mending their nets, and he called them. Immediately they left the boat and their father and followed him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the blessing and freedom and opportunity to gather for worship here today. And we thank you for your word. Thank you for how you continue to speak to us through the word of God, the Bible. Thank you for the Holy Spirit who enlightens us and teaches us. And we pray that would be the case here this morning, that you would minister to us, teach us by the Holy Spirit through the word of God. So may you be glorified. May we be uh, encouraged and built up today here as we look together at the word of God in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I mentioned uh, Jane and I were just up in Alaska, and uh, it was an exciting time that we were there in uh, the end of July and the first part of August, so we got it to be a part of kind of the, the tail end of the fishing season, and people were really excited about fishing season. Anybody want to guess how many salmon were caught in Bristol Bay, just that one corner of Alaska, Bristol Bay, uh, this, this summer? Probably have no idea. How many? Several million. 51 million. That's kind of the estimate, how they know exactly how many salmon are caught, you know, who knows. But, uh, and this was a down year. They've had three record years in a row, so this year they only caught 51 million salmon. And uh, they, all, they average about six to eight, sometimes a little bigger, uh, pounds apiece. So that's about 300 million pounds of salmon. And, of course, people are excited because this is... Fishing season is a big part of their income for the year, and people from all over the world come in, and the canneries are up and running, and it's just really, really exciting fishing for salmon. And then there's all the sport fishermen that are there up the river, up in the freshwater, and uh, fishing and so on. I met a guy, and he told me, he said he'd waited all of his life to come up and go sport fishing for salmon. And he said, I've been saving my money. He says, this week is going to cost me $26,000 to fish for a week. Can you imagine? So there is a lot of excitement and people about, about fishing, sport fishing and commercial fishing and processing fish and all of that, very exciting. But I want to tell you that Jesus, in the text that we're looking at today, says something that's far more exciting, if you will, far more important, far more relevant, where he's talking to uh, some fishermen and saying, I'm going to make you fishers of men. I believe this is, is, is more exciting than the fishing industry in Alaska and all the money that people can make and all the fun they can have catching fish and so on. This is far more significant. We're going to look at, at Jesus talking to some fishermen and saying, I'm going to make you fishers of men. And this is an eternal thing, right? This is a, a far more important thing than the salmon industry in Alaska. I couldn't help but think of this text, even as I was driving here this morning. I live about a quarter mile from the church I grew up in, this big red brick church on a hill there, and I drove by it. Every time I drive by it, I have memories from my childhood, and one of them I thought, as I was kind of thinking about this text, driving up here, I thought of being in Sunday school. So there's some kids in the back. You guys ever learn this song? I will make you fishers of men, fishers of men, fishers of men, if you follow me, if you follow me, and so on. That, that was going through my mind, thinking about that. 
And, and just, just praying that God would bring that to bear on my heart and on your hearts too, how important, how blessed it is that Jesus met two simple, ordinary fishermen and said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus has something to teach us in that simple little phrase that we're going to look at. Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Significant words of Jesus. And I pray that they will become more and more meaningful to us as we look at this together today. Uh, several things that Jesus taught in those verses. The first one is, is this. Some things that he teaches us about Jesus. Jesus is an inviting Savior. An inviting Savior. He said in verse 19, he said to them, and this is Peter and Andrew uh, casting their net in the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, follow me. Follow me. Jesus invited them to follow him. You ever thought about the significance of that simple two-word phrase, follow me? It reveals to us that Jesus is an inviting Savior. Aren't you thankful for that? He's not a Savior who stands afar off and doesn't really care about us, doesn't care where you're headed or how your life is going or what's, what's going on in your life, where you're going to spend eternity. Jesus graciously said to these fishermen, and I believe he says to all of us, follow me. That is a gracious invitation because these were just ordinary guys going about their daily business and Jesus invites them. One of the things that I love about not only Jesus in the Gospels, but really something that we see throughout the Scriptures is that God is an inviting God, longing for us to come to Him because He knows how we have such a tendency to go our own way or to go the world's way to go in ways that aren't good for us, to go in ways that get us into trouble, to go in ways that just lead us farther and farther away from God, God is always calling, always inviting. One of the first things here, Matthew chapter 4, in Jesus' ministry is He's inviting people to come and to follow Him. And if you've never grasped that, I pray you will today, that God is inviting you, that Jesus is inviting us to be saved, to follow Him, to give our life to Him, to serve Him. That's a gracious invitation. He doesn't have to do it. He could let us go on our merry way. And most of the world does. Say, leave me alone, Jesus. Leave me alone, church. I want to just go my own way and do my own thing. God is relentless and inviting. Come. Come and follow me. That's a gracious invitation. There's a book that I really enjoy uh, by Philip Yancey. I don't know if you've ever read any Philip Yancey's books. He wrote, he wrote a book called What's So Amazing About Grace? And in it, he tells contemporary stories that illustrate the parables in the Bible. And one of the stories that he tells is about a woman who was getting married in New York City. She was going to get married, and she was marrying a very wealthy man. She was a wealthy woman herself. And uh, they had set up before their wedding, or, you know, they set up their wedding plans. They also, according to Yancey, said that they set up a, a, a great big wedding reception in one of the fanciest halls in New York. And they ordered food to be served at that, at that uh, wedding banquet or that reception. And it was going to be some of the finest food that you could get. Super expensive. And then tragedy hit. The guy backed out on the wedding. And the wedding was off. And she couldn't get out of the wedding hall and the wedding reception. And so you know what she did? She went out on the streets of New York and she invited homeless people and street people to come in and, and have the meal because she was going to pay for it anyway. It was already taken care of. And so she went out and she just thought it would be wonderful to invite 
homeless people and uh, people that were really down and out on their luck to come. And she invited them to come into the finest dining hall that had held receptions for weddings in New York City. And people got to go there and eat a meal, the likes of which they had never seen. They were totally undeserving. And yet they were invited to come in for the, the greatest banquet anybody could have in New York City on that particular day. Yancey used that as an illustration of how God invites us to come. We're just helpless, hopeless. And and Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the Savior of the world, the hope of the world, the light of the world, He comes and invites us to be His children, to be saved, to be forgiven, to serve Him, to be a part of the marriage supper of the Lamb one day in heaven. That's a gracious invitation. Praise God for that invitation. But not only is it a gracious invitation, it's a consistent invitation. It's not just here that Jesus says that, but it's throughout the Bible. If you turn over a few pages to Matthew, here's one of the most beautiful invitations that we have in the Bible. Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 through 30. Jesus says, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus Christ says to us, come to me. He invites us, come to me, all you, all you that are weary and heavy laden, tired of life, tired of the struggles, tired of dealing with sin, tired of fighting your own flesh, come to me, all you that are weary and heavy laden. I will give you rest. My yoke is easy, my burden is light, and you will find rest for your souls. Beautiful invitation of Jesus. And just bear with me here. I'm going to look at a few passages of Scripture. You can follow along in your Bibles. Look at uh, in the Psalms, Psalm 95, an invitation to worship. Psalm chapter 95, verses 1 and 6. O come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Verse 6, come. Let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. Come, come to worship. Come and bow down before God. That, too, is a gracious invitation. In John's Gospel, John chapter 7 and verse 37. John 7, 37. Now on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Come to me and drink. Jesus inviting people once again. And of course, then in the Old Testament, Isaiah chapter 55, 1 through 3, one of the great invitations in the Bible as well. Isaiah 55, the first three verses. Ho, everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Come, come and be absolutely satisfied, God says to the prophet Isaiah. You don't have any money, you know, you don't have any way to buy it. Come, it's all free. That's why we do the net, you know, in, in, in Alaska, we have the net, we have free internet there and free coffee and free cookies and cupcakes and free books and Bibles and tracts to give to people. And it's a way to tell people, you know, because a lot of them come in and they say, what, what's this about? What are you doing? I said, everything's free. 
They go, how do you do that? And we said, well, you know, people are, people are generous and help supply for everything that we have, but we do it just as a powerful way to remind you that salvation is free. We just want you to be reminded as you're drinking that free cup of coffee, it's $6.95 down the road, you know. Cookies, they're expensive. I was telling them in the film, you know, milk is up to $17.99 a gallon in Naknek. And uh, other things, you wouldn't believe the prices. But it's, it's a real shocker to come into the net and say, everything's free. We want to remind you what it says in Romans 6.23, that the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. It's free. That's what the prophet says, Isaiah 55. Come, you who are thirsty, you who are hungry, come, buy wine and milk without cost. Delight yourself in abundance. It's a gracious invitation that we see throughout the Word of God. We see it here in our text, Matthew 4.19. Jesus said, follow me. A gracious invitation, a, a consistent invitation that we see throughout the Scripture. And then we could also say it's a life-altering invitation, isn't it? These fishermen who left everything and followed Jesus, life would never be the same for them. Uh, you, when you hear the, the invitation of Christ and you heed that invitation, you come, come to Jesus in repentance and in faith, it's life-changing. Anybody say amen to that? That happened in your life? It's a life-changing invitation. And I, I love to see that, that Christ invites people to come, and He invites us to come today. Follow me is His invitation. And, and you think of the significance of that when you realize that many, many people are, are not following Christ, but are following their own flesh, their own fleshly desires following the ways of the world. And where are they following those things to? To their own destruction and to their own hurt. We see it all around us. People struggling, people hurting because they're not following Jesus, but following sin, following their flesh, following the world, and following it right into tragedy and disaster. What a wonderful thing that Jesus invites us. Follow me. Just like he invited Peter and Andrew. He is an inviting Savior. But not only does this passage reveal to us that He's an inviting Savior, and don't overlook that, rejoice in that today, that, that our God is an inviting God, and an inviting Savior. Come and be saved. Come and have new life. But He's also a life-changing Savior. He's an inviting Savior, but He's a life-changing Savior. Notice the rest of the phrase there in verse 19. He says, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. I've been focusing on that little phrase, follow me, I will make you. Jesus said, I will make you. Jesus makes all things new, doesn't he? He's the creator. He made the world. But he also makes new hearts and new people. Here he says to these fishermen who are going about their average everyday life, he says, follow me and I will make you. He's going to change the direction of their life. He's going to change them from being fishers of fish to being fishers of men. He said, I will make you, because that's what Jesus does. He changes lives. Not only is his, He is an inviting Savior, but He's a life-changing Savior. He says, I will make you. Think about how that relates to the Apostle Paul. Turn over to 1 Timothy chapter 1, verses 12 through 17. If you want a little insight into how... Jesus makes people new and makes them different. He is a life-changing Savior. Listen to the testimony of the Apostle Paul. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12. I really love this passage. This is a kind of a, 
a real quick synopsis, synopsis of the conversion and, and the testimony of the Apostle Paul. Paul, writing to Timothy here, he says this, I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who has strengthened me because he considered me faithful, putting me into service, even though I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a violent aggressor. Yet I was shown mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was more than abundant with the faith and love which are found in Christ Jesus. It is a trustworthy statement deserving full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners among whom I am foremost of all. Paul's saying he's the chief of sinners. He's the worst. He hated Christ. He hated Christians. He persecuted Christians. He drugged them off to be imprisoned. He drugged them off to be killed. And that's why he would say, among whom I am the foremost of all, Christ came into the world to save sinners. Verse 16, yet for this reason I found mercy so that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might demonstrate his perfect patience as an example for those who would believe in him for eternal life. Now to the King eternal, immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. What a testimony Paul had, or Saul, who became Paul, had. Formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, a violent aggressor, and yet the grace of God was more than abundant. The mercy of God was more than abundant. The patience of God was perfectly exemplified in Saul becoming Paul and becoming a changed man. When Jesus said, follow me and I will make you, that's exactly what he did for Paul. He changed him from being a, a hater of the church, a persecutor of the church, a persecutor of Christ, to being the greatest missionary evangelist that we've ever known. Jesus said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Jesus is in the business of making people new and making people different and making people have changed lives. One of the best experiences this summer when uh, we were in Alaska, we were at the net working one day and we have places where people can sit and get on the internet. You know, everybody's sitting there on their phones. That's the way it is most places, right? Everybody's on their phones. So, and that's okay. We have the internet for them so they can get in touch with their friends. But there's people sitting around the periphery and then there's a table in the middle. Some people want to visit. And so there was a guy, he was from Nicaragua, and he was sharing his testimony in broken English. He was talking about how he had become a Christian with guys around the table. I happened to be sitting by a young man who was from Mexicali, uh, right on the border of the United States and Mexico. And he was sitting there, and he was listening really intent. He was just a young kid, about 20 years old. And he was listening so intently to this guy from Nicaragua tell about his past life and how he had come to Christ and surrendered his life to Christ, and he had been forgiven, and things had changed, and he was a new person. And, and this kid, his name was John Paul. John Paul, and he had a last name, I won't say it, but John Paul was sitting next to me, and he turned to me, because we'd been visiting a little bit. He turned to me, and he said, I want what that man has. I want what that man has. And so we talked very intently then for the next few minutes about what it meant to acknowledge that we're a sinner, and the need to turn from our sin and turn to Christ and find forgiveness and find new life. And I said, John, you want to pray right now? And he bowed his head, and I will never forget this. I looked over at him, he bowed his head, and he had tears running down out of his eyes, down off his nose, and his tears were dripping off of his nose onto the tract that I was reading with him. And there was a sinner's prayer there, and he prayed that sinner's prayer. If you remember, pray for John Paul. He was concerned because he'd really gotten into some trouble down in Mexicali. I always get the two mixed. There's a town on each side of the border. Did you know what? One of them is Mexicali, and the other one is Calexico. 
one on each side. He was for one of those, I don't remember, but he was concerned about going back home because he said he'd been in a lot of trouble and he'd gotten involved in things that he shouldn't be involved in and he said, I've been a terrible example to my younger brother and I want to change. I want things to change. So pray for John Henry, John Paul, John Paul. And uh, pray that God will make him indeed a new person in Christ. Because that's the promise of God's word, right? 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. The old things pass away and all things become new. It comes back to what Jesus says, doesn't it? Follow me and I will make you. I'm praying that John Paul is following Jesus today. And I'm praying that God is making him a new person. And the old things are passing away and all things are becoming new. Because that's what Jesus does. Not only is he an inviting Savior, but he's a life-changing Savior. He says, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things pass away, all things become new. I was so blessed to hear that young man say, I want what he has. I want to change. Things must change in my life. I, I hope that's the, the attitude of our heart today. I want Jesus. I want to follow him. I want him to make me the person that he wants me to be. I want him to make me new day by day by day, ever, ever growing, ever being discipled, ever being sanctified. Jesus, here we see him as an inviting Savior and a life-changing Savior. And then he's also a purpose-giving Savior. The last phrase there of verse 19, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. You know, it's okay to be a fisherman. It's okay to be any number of things. But we need to stop and think seriously, what is our purpose in life? For these fishermen that Jesus talked to, something radical happened in their lives. They left everything, it says. Verse 22, immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. They had a new purpose in life. No longer were they fishers of men, but they were now fishers, excuse me, they were no longer fishers of fish. They were now fishers of men, fishers of people. They had a new purpose. And Jesus gives purpose to our lives. Uh, a verse that captured my attention as a very young Christian. Some of you will know about Bethany College down in Lindsberg, Kansas. Any of you ever been to Lindsberg? Little Sweden, USA. I'm Swedish background, so that's kind of the mecca for us is to go down to Lindsberg. My, I, went, I met my wife there. We went to college there. And uh, I grew as a Christian during those years in college. And one of the verses during that time that really grabbed a hold of my heart was 2 Corinthians 5.15. And it says this, He died for all that they who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. Let me repeat that. He died for all. That's Jesus, right? He died for all, that we who live should no longer live for ourselves, but for him who died and rose again on our behalf. Something happened in these fishermen's lives. They were now fishers of men. They left their boats, they left their nets, and they began to follow Jesus. They became fishers of men. They received the invitation, they experienced the life change, and they had a brand new purpose in living. I'm convinced that one of the crises in our country and in our world today is that people are purposeless. Suicide rates are, are through the roof. In Alaska, we, we notice that so much. But even in the lower 48 and in other parts of the, of the world, suicide rates are, are, are staggering. And how, how tragic that the greatest gift that God gives is, is thrown away, the gift of life by so many, because there's just no reason to keep on living. 
Jesus gives us a reason to live. He gives us a purpose in life. And I'm just convinced that a lot of people are just like, is this all there is? Remember that old song? There used to be a song, some singer saying, is this all there is? Is this all there is? Well, Jesus has more for us. Not only in eternity, not only in heaven, but in the here and now, to live for Christ, to share Him with people, to live and follow Christ, and shine His light. The Bible says, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. We have a high calling as believers in Jesus Christ to pray and to witness and to support the work of God in, any, in every way that we can. God gives us a purpose. And I, I see that here in, in Jesus saying to these fishermen, Follow me and I will make you fishers of men. They had a new reason for living, a whole new purpose. And, and brothers and sisters in Christ, we have a high calling to live for Jesus, to follow Jesus, to glorify Jesus with our life in every way, and to share Jesus with others. What a purpose we have. Jesus, as He meets with these fishermen, He is an inviting Savior, a life-changing Savior, a purpose-giving Savior. Hallelujah, what a Savior, we sing. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Hear the words of Jesus again today. Follow me. I will make you fishers of men. He wants us to follow him, and it's a blessing to follow Jesus. It's a curse to not follow Jesus. You are cursed if you're not following Christ. Follow me. I will make you. Jesus has work to do in our hearts and in our lives, and he will give us a purpose to be fishers of men. The call of Christ today uh, to the fishermen, the call of Christ to us too and to the world. Let's hear it in Jesus' name. Amen. Heavenly Father, thank you for the invitation of Christ to these ordinary fishermen to follow him. I pray that we hear that call as well today, that Jesus is calling us to follow him. What a gracious invitation. What a life-changing invitation. Thank you, that Jesus, that you are an inviting Savior. And I thank you that you're a life-changing Savior. I pray that if anybody's here and, and has never experienced that new life, that change that you bring into our lives, that we would experience that today as we bow before you, Lord, and say, uh, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, forgive me, save me. Give me a new life, a new direction in life, a new purpose in life. What a wonderful Savior you are, Lord Jesus. What a difference you made in the lives of Peter and Andrew and James and John. What a difference you are making in people's lives yet today. May it be so in every one of our lives too. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.